Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your best friend, your pal, your roommate, Zach Lyman, and you are listening once again to the Zach Lyman Podcast. Thank you so much for that sweet, sweet listen. Guys, this episode is absolutely wonderful. I had my good friend Rob from Folly Coffee on, and I thought it was just going to be one of those episodes where, you know, I chat with a friend, we get, I get to know him on another level, he gets to tell his story, but it's not only that. You know, Rob takes us to another level. He drops so much gold in this episode. If you're trying to market your coffee or market your literally anything, we talk about so many studies that he's read and just different ways that he approaches marketing in a very interesting way with Folly Coffee. And I absolutely love what they're doing. Like when they create their content, I love Folly Coffee. You know, I drink it. I'm a big fan of their subscription base that they have online. You can go to their website, follycoffee.com, get a subscription to the coffee. But I just, I just really enjoyed this conversation. You know, it was recorded months ago, you know, so I've been sitting on this episode. It was a time, a different time in the world where it was hot outside, you know, and I didn't have my home studio set up. Yeah. So it, it shows it's an earlier when I was trying to learn how to do this Zoom recording, podcasting, I would, it, it, it just shows that way. But Rob is such a pro. He comes in with a professional mic. He sounds great. He crushes it. He answers all the questions. You know, this is just, it's just a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. And I'm happy that I can finally release it to you guys. But go to follycoffee.com, check out their new website, brand new website, get a coffee subscription. If you're trying to get into like dipping your toes into trying new coffees and trying to get into the specialty game, uh, Folly Coffee is where it's at, man. I I really appreciated this time that Rob gave to us and uh, follow them on TikTok. He's a funny dude. But before we get into the episode, if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast, we don't do that, you know? We don't do that. Get out get out of the way. If you want to help us out, though, head to ZachLionPodcast.com and buy a t-shirt. Check out some merch, you know? Just help us that way because we're sponsor-free. We're gluten-free. We're dairy-free. That's what we're doing. ZachLionPodcast.com. Help me out. Help. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to waste any more of your time, guys. Let's get into this episode with my friend Rob. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself officially and kind yeah. of uh, what you do in your company and all that stuff. Yeah, my name's uh, Rob Bath, a.k.a. Folly Rob. I'm the owner and founder of Folly Coffee Roasters. Uh, we started in Silver Lake, Minnesota, which is like an hour west of Minneapolis. We now roast in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, which is just outside of Minneapolis. We made that shift in April right before or actually right in the middle of all this craziness going on right now. And so we launched in January of 2018. We focus on really high-end, single-origin specialty coffees with the goal of uh, marketing and communicating in a way that's really accessible for people that might not uh, know everything there is to know about coffee, but know that they want to find better sources of coffee. And so, because when I got into coffee, it was super intimidating. Like you walk into a specialty shop and you're looking at the list of coffees. And I remember vividly, it's like, oh, this is a naturally processed Ethiopian Yerda chef. And I'm like... I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But you just go, you just kind of smile and nod and go, sure, I'll take that. And then you like it and you don't know why. And so I thought there's a better way to do it where we can still roast the same quality of coffees that are going to stand on the table with anyone, but that it's going to be more approachable to people as opposed to seeing a coffee and going, oh, that's not for me. I'm going to stick to my Folgers. Like I drink bitter coffee. That's what I'm about. Yeah. 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 That's great, man. So when when did you personally get into like coffee yeah uh right out of college so i graduated in 2013 okay uh, i got a sales job with boston beer so it's sam adams angry orchard twisted tea uh, eventually okay. truly which now is a huge deal it's like their biggest product uh but i was doing sales in north chicago and i already had an interest in it in craft beer while i was going to college and sam adams has really heavy training on the beer side of things and so very very quickly i became obsessed with like the cicerone certification program which is kind of like the beer version of a wine sommelier and so i got my level one uh beer server and then i got my cicerone certification and it was right around that time that i started becoming really obsessed with just flavors and how they interact with each other and so that led to me learning to kind of cook, uh, to be able to pair with 
beer and just learning all about flavors. And then I had a coworker that used to sell specialty coffee and he saw me drinking just whatever crap coffee was available. And it was like, how are you into all this like really high end, like the beer, the food pairing, you're going through your advanced Cicerone now and you're drinking this crap coffee. And I had no idea what he even meant. It, it didn't even register. And he was like, here's a list of roasters that you need to go to. At this point, I was living in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, there's only two regions in the world where you can make sparkling white wine and call it champagne. Uh, one <laughs> is in the Champagne region of France, and the other one is in central Illinois, uh, home of the Fighting Illini. And so I was living there doing kind of like distributor management and key account sales, and he pointed me towards some really amazing roasters. The first one I walked into with this in mind was Sump Coffee in St. Louis, which I got really lucky that that was the first one I walked into. Yeah. And I, I was lucky the timing of it too, because it wasn't busy. And so I got exactly what I just said earlier, naturally processed Ethiopian Yirgacheff, drank it black, and immediately was like, why, what is going on? Like, what was added to this? What was done to this? Why does it taste like blueberries? This is crazy. And the barista was just like, it's the beans we source, it's the way we roasted. And it just instantly opened up this wormhole of needing to know everything about this. Because it was like, I was in the food and beverage world, and yet there was this entire sector i knew nothing about and so the second yeah. i taste something new i was like i need to know why it tastes like this and so i started checking out every roaster in the area and then that turned into like doing day trips to go check out roasters and then that turned out to uh and this was over the period of a couple of years that i did a couple of trips to the west coast and it was a trip i did alone to seattle that kind of really opened my eyes to it because mm. you would expect going out there that seattle we're Starbucks. That's our hometown brand. This is what we get hyped on. Like the, you would expect everybody to be really pumped about Starbucks. And when I went out there, the younger coffee drinkers were way more excited about the new third wave style light roasted coffee. That's where people are pointing you to go. And then that's the first time I really thought about the business side of specialty coffee. Cause I thought it was kind of this thing that only me and a select group of people were pumped about in the Midwest. Yeah. And then you go out there and that's what everybody is drinking. Yeah. And no, knowing what I knew about food and beverage trends being like 10 to 15 years behind in the Midwest, I go, I'm going to start to look into this on the business side of things. And I noticed the trends for high end specialty coffee were really similar to what happened in craft beer in the late 90s early 2000s with the craft beer boom and that's really where it started and so I actively tried to convince myself not to do it because I really liked my job things were going well at that time I'd gotten another promotion since I was in St. Louis and things but it, it, it was just like too compelling it was something I was obsessed and passionate about the business side of it was really really compelling and so eventually in may of 2017 i ended up quitting my job uh moving back home with my parents in uh just west of minneapolis and really starting to build out folly and uh so when i moved back the idea was at first that i'll just roast the coffee like oh i'll just learn how to roast and i'll be the roaster and so i got a, a, a sample roaster a bullet alio r1 okay. awesome roaster and then very quickly it's like you, you, I would make a great batch of coffee and then think I'm doing the exact same thing again. And the same bean would turn out not the same. And, <laughs> and so I started to learn, but it's a very, very slow. It's, there's so much involved that it, a lot of people think, oh, you just make the bean hot. It turns brown. You got coffee. And it just ended up being this depth of knowledge that it became very clear that if I was going to simultaneously start a business that it couldn't be me doing the roasting because those are two entirely separate full-time things. Yeah. And so I had a roaster lined up through a friend back home in Minnesota. Uh, he ended up bailing, didn't want to do it. So I'd quit, move back, living with my parents, working four jobs. And then all of a sudden was left without a roaster. Uh, mm. And I ended up meeting Ken at a farmer's market who was our head roaster up until earlier in the year. And so he agreed that if I helped him build his space in Silver Lake, Minnesota, he already had the roaster, but didn't have a commercial license that he'd roast with me. And so we took the summer, built it out then. And while we were building out, I was uh, bringing samples to all the different grocery stores and co-ops and trying to talk to everyone about what You're we are hustling, doing. man. Hustling. And, and pre yeah, yeah. So I was like, 
was working as like my high school football coach uh, got me a job as a strength coach for the summer. So I was doing that in the mornings and I was barbacking, bartending at night and then driving Lyft after that on the weekends. And uh, kind of just building up a savings, knowing that at some point we'd launch and at some point I'd have to stop working all these jobs to try to build. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so we launched in January to a small group of grocery stores and we're just sampling, sampling, sampling. And then we picked up a, a local chain of about 11 stores, Kowalski's, and then a chain of 20, 20 ish stores, Lones and Byerly's out here. So all of a sudden that's when I went full time. And then and that's when Jeff joined the team. Uh, and he was stocking shelves at Eastside Food Co-op, which was our first customer and every week I would deliver this long-haired guy with a very cool beard would ask um, increasingly complicated copy questions <laughs> eventually he was like hey how do I get into coffee like I absolutely love it I just I want to do anything to get into coffee and so we ended up meeting and figured out that it was the roasting side that he was more interested in and so I was like, if you just want a foot in the door in the industry, like I'll need help packaging beginning next week when we launch in this new group of stores. At the very least, you'll have a coffee company on your resume and it could help you get your foot in the door other places. So he started helping me package. And then I don't consider myself a slouch in tasting coffees with the background of training my taste buds on the Cicerone program. But he started tasting coffees with me and very, very quickly I was like, he doesn't know the verbiage. He doesn't know all like the technical terms for coffee yet, but his palate is, is like raw, but way better than mine. And so he started getting trained in, trained in. And eventually uh, that year he placed 14th in the country at the U.S. Coffee Tasters Championship. Uh, so it goes from April of that year to like, I think it was, I think the finals are in like January or something, February yeah. or whatever. Uh, so within a year, he's a top 15 coffee taster in the country. And then he started to learn to roast and picked it up really quickly because he already had all the technical knowledge. And so he spent a lot of last year uh, uh, learning to roast. And then that's when we made the move to St. Louis Park. Um, yeah. And so a lot of it was just like, like you were saying, hustling, like knocking on doors, getting them to taste the coffee. Uh, we want to, one of the big uh, tipping points was when we won the good food award in 2019, which is like mm. as a top 15 coffee in the country and between Jeff placing nationally as a coffee taster, winning the good food award, all of a sudden it was, we were starting to pick up some attention locally. Yeah. At least, en at least enough where people would meet. Whereas like before they would meet if I emailed them every week and like showed up at their door and kept knocking it started to get a little easier to get meetings because our coffees were getting some validation. That's like, Hey, there's this, these guys out in silver Lake doing some crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, we've got some fun stuff in store for St. Louis park. Now that we're close to the cities too. So at this, uh, right when that turning point was happening, was it more of like some people were actually coming to you at that point? And it was kind of <laughs> like, or are you still like, no, not even. To, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, the people still not really coming to us because that that's the big downside of not. Ha so we're, we're wholesale roaster only, I should mention. We don't have a cafe. We don't have a storefront. Um, yeah. Early on, I was given the advice that if you're going to start a coffee company, what is it that you're passionate about? Is it the service side? Is it the barista? Is it the cultivation of a menu? Is it serving and preparing drinks? Or yeah. is it the beans the roasting the coffee itself i'm like well it's the, it's the coffee and they're like roast and then later someday if you want to open a cafe do what you want to do but those are two separate businesses and so the downside of not having the cafe is your exposure it's a great way to get exposure to potential customers to have a place to interact yeah um, and so at this point still it's a lot of knocking on doors it's getting the Google alerts to see who's opening, who is doing what, what new places are opening up, like what type of places might be a good fit and just emailing and knocking on doors and just walking into the places and saying, Hey, who decides what coffee you serve here? Uh, it's, it's, it's more hard work than it is some intense algorithm I have. And there isn't some secret strategy. It's just a lot of walking in with samples and having the right people taste the coffee and, uh, see that what we're doing is is pretty cool yeah yeah that's great man so 
I love I love the approach that you guys have kind of really taken to coffee, and I love how you've uh, personally grown the brand in a lot of ways. Like, I, like, and I say that as uh, I love watching your TikToks, I love mm-hmm. watching your Facebook posts, I love like just you guys are like uh, I remember from day one when I met you guys with my friend Steve, and I was like, oh, these are like fun people. Like these guys right. are like we we can hang out with these guys. <laughs> like, like. Yeah, I think a lot of it. Um, I think part of it's coming from the craft beer world and seeing that hey, you can make world class products. You can have something that's the best in an industry, and it doesn't have to be serious. The branding doesn't have to be serious. The way you communicate it doesn't have to be serious. I think the norm in high end coffee is that they look to the wine industry, they look to high end products and they're like, we need to communicate and market that way. And our Instagram needs to be clean and polished and sexy. And like, everything has to be a color scheme. And if it doesn't match, we can't use that picture. Oh, one of our one of our coffee drinkers took a picture themselves and take Oh, no, we can't use that. It doesn't fit our aesthetic. And there was a point where I had that mindset where it's like, Oh, I want to use this, but it's like doesn't fit with what we're doing. But then I'm like, what kind of process is that where somebody is so excited about the coffee that they're drinking that they took a picture of it and posted it on their personal yeah. stuff to tell people we're excited. And you're like, yeah, you know, we actually have a camera that we use that has this lens. And it's just like, so I, I, I think I just adapted very quickly with Folly. That's like being just very genuine and open and excited. And yeah. I think that's more, that's more contagious than having like a super sexy looking Instagram where it's clean and, you know, it's like a piece of art. I think that type of marketing is really effective for brick and mortar. If you have a restaurant or a cafe that you, you want people to come to you, you yeah. need to have that, you need to have that feel and that look so that people, they get what you're about. But when it's more of like, uh, you know, we're wholesale, we're trying to get people to buy online. We're trying to, uh, it, it ends up being more of like an emotional connection. Yeah. Like you said, that's exactly what I want is that you go to our page or you go to our website and you get the feel that it's like, Hey, how, how do we ride that line that we take the coffee very, very seriously. But outside of that, it's like, well, what's the point in taking the rest of it seriously? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't like, I agree with you that like maybe restaurants and stuff, it is a certain, but, uh, I, Honestly, I'm so jaded from my years of being in coffee and looking at Instagrams. I'm tired of them all looking the same because I can't tell you. There's a lot of pages I follow where I'm like, didn't I see this before? Oh, no, it's just it's so similar to this other page. And And it's easy to see how you could fall in that, especially like latte art is a huge one. Uh, Yeah, that's another reason that having a cafe can if you're a coffee roaster and that's the core of your business, having a cafe can also be, it can complicate things because pictures of latte art, they are popular. People like seeing them, but I look at that picture and like, it's exactly what you just said. Is that different than any other 10 posts you've seen that day of latte art? So more people might, might like it. More people might be like comment. Oh, cute. But does that make that person want what you're doing more than anything else? And so the whole idea with Folly is, you know, I struggle with, are these videos like too stupid and making me look too dumb? And then it's distracting from what we're doing, but I'm going, it's so, so hard to capture attention Yeah, that it's like, okay, if they're watching the video, then they're thinking more about Folly that day than they were before they saw the stupid video yeah and so like continuing to shuffle it through where we keep the the core message that the coffee what we're doing the way we roast the flavor profiles we're going for while also doing really stupid videos where i actually had someone text me to see if i'm doing okay after the one i released <laughs> yesterday okay the one yesterday was it the the inflatable guy yeah. okay so <laughs> That one, I saw it in the morning, and I haven't stopped thinking about it for 48 hours. <laughs> someone, someone texts me, they're like, hey, is, like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing, is like, we have this instant coffee. And we get, so this, this was definitely the most impulsive decision I made. Uh, they were like, we don't work with anyone in Minnesota. We'd be willing to work with you. And without even having a go-to-market strategy, I was like, let's do it. 
signed the contract, got the thing moving. And then we get all this instant coffee on our door. Then I was like, oh man, I have to go out and sell this. And actually it didn't happen that way. I was pre-selling it as it was getting made. And then it was delayed, delayed, delayed. So I was supposed to launch it in November. I had grocery stores lined up. It didn't yeah. show up until February. And so it messed up that entire plan. And then we're sitting on this instant coffee. And, and then we get the letter, hey, they are no longer in business. So I'm sitting here going like, all right, I could try to sell this, but selling something, you have to take a lot of time and effort. And then the ironic thing is that if that people are buying it and loving it, you're building a brand that is ultimately doomed because there's no more stock. Yeah. And so I went to Jeff, I was like, let's just give it away. Like, let's just give this stuff away, but let's do it in a way that people will still get to taste our core product, the beans, which is, mm-hmm. it was kind of a learning moment that's like sucks that we went through the time and effort and spent the money and now it's null and void. I was like, the goal is to get people to taste our beans. And yeah. so, okay, well, let's use this excess inventory of instant coffee, which is actually really delicious to entice people to buy our core items. And uh, <laughs> the first thing that popped in mind was, you see those used car commercials yep. where people are like, they're calling them crazy Frank for these prices. They're saying he's going out of his mind. And I was like, I need to capture that energy. And I actually have, it's so good. I bought a little tiny inflatable desktop, uh, wacky inflatable arm man. Uh, and it just, it, it didn't really work. It, luckily it was really cheap, but it didn't work. And then I was like, wait, I could just green screen an inflatable arm man. And so I green screened the inflatable arm man. And just had that those vibes the entire time. It was <laughs> like, Volley's crazy. You have the tiniest microphone. Yeah, I've got my tiny, I've got that around here somewhere. It's, yep, the, got, it's, it's just, the, it's like literally the size of a fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> I like the microphone, the audio on it. It gives it like this overdrive distortion effect that I actually really like the way the audio sounds. And then it's, it's just like a detail of a video that people are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you you uh how many takes did you do of that that's a one take i don't okay the thing is if i do more takes on a video like that i start to question what i'm doing <laughs> i found the key in videos where i look really really stupid is just do it in one take and post it and just like forget that it's up there and it is a weird thing when people are like oh i saw your video and you're like oh people actually i forget that this goes out to real people because the digital side's interesting because you pu- you push something like that out you do yeah. the email blast and then you go to your email and you're like oh good some orders are coming in and mm. it just it seems kind of not real and then someone's like oh i saw your video and you're like oh man yeah <laughs> yeah i was basically if folly doesn't work out i'm gonna have a bit of difficulty i think finding a real job after this just <laughs> on the plea of insanity no i feel the same way there's so many ridiculous videos of me on the internet where i'm like anyone wants to hire me are you right. ser- are you serious yeah. <laughs> but it's like it, it's videos like that where it's you're you're kind of like almost uncomfortable with how weird it is that it attracts attention and it, someone's more likely to tell someone that you should go check that out versus like ooh, look at this single origin pour over being poured slow in slow motion with a super high def camera and it's like i love that stuff it looks really cool yeah but but the way i think about marketing and again i'm no expert i'm making it up as i go a lot of the time but the way i think of it is if you could take anybody's logo and put Mm -hmm. it in the corner of a picture or a video and it could be interchangeable i don't like to push that kind of content out I want it to be something where that is clearly a folly video or picture. And that's kind of how I think about these things is you can't take those videos and put someone else's logo and it makes sense. It wouldn't fit their brand. It wouldn't fit their messaging. So I love that. I love yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's a yeah. great way of saying that. Yeah. And so anything we put out, you know, we put out the sexy coffee videos, like every once in a while you shoot something you're like, Ooh, okay, like that, that, that looks good. You just push it out. But almost everything we do, I try to picture if someone else's logo was there, would it still work? And if it does, you're going, you're not being unique enough to what you do. That's great. I like that, that concept because uh, I'm trying to do the same thing with my podcast where it's just like, I, I had that puppet video Mm-hmm. where it's a professor and he's doing and now i got like that infomercial thing the infomercial I, one that one got me <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So when, when you hire when so you hire this infomercial person, do you let them know that this uh, is a joke? This is a joke. I no, I had to go through like ten different people. So because it was like it was exactly I messaged all these people and being like, hey, I got this joke. I'm clearly a comedian and uh it's about my podcast and no one's gonna take this seriously and some people like most people totally understandable were like yeah not my brand to make false claims you know yeah yeah and i'm like totally get it totally get it and then um yeah and then i finally found someone that like i i think she liked the joke of it all where she was like yeah. okay i see i see what you're doing here <laughs> and where it's like because yeah it's like uh my skin got better i lost weight and then like, yeah. i got a promotion at my job all from it's, listening to a yeah, podcast yeah it's like bold enough that there are you hear podcasts and you see things out there where people are saying stuff like that that they, yeah they are advertising that way i really like that one yeah 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 and i was like it's just different and then i'm very big into the idea of it not being me on camera of it being yeah. like other people well, it's, it's the whole idea of external validation. Uh, it's, it's like with awards, I don't really care that much about awards outside of the fact that people externally, externally validating what you're doing is important, especially that's a non-biased third party. So you're basically taking that and making fun of it. That you're like, look at this definitely not paid testimonial about the podcast. That, that was really good. <laughs> I just woke up this morning and my eyes were just like, dry you ever yeah. wake up and you just try to open your eyes and you're like uh what uh i live in arizona so yeah 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 it's like it's been like 95 here all week which i know for you is like okay but here that's in minnesota that's like everybody is ready to get at each other with this heat <laughs> yeah 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 uh on fridays i've been going to uh can you hear me fine yeah Okay. On Fridays, I've been going to uh, car auctions, and uh, they're, like, just in fields, you know? Just, like, open, just open hot spaces. And so yesterday, I went to a car auction, and it was, like, 115 out. You know, I'm just, like, dying as I'm getting into, like, these, like, broke-down cars. <laughs> are, you looking to, are you looking to buy cars? I, yeah, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at buying a car. I'm looking at okay. buying... I'm gonna. I was. I was hoping you were like, nope. I just like them. <laughs> which is a very Zach move. Which is like, yeah. yeah I don't. I don't. I yeah. wasted my whole day doing it. Yep. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. I enjoy auctions. Not yeah. Even cars, just auctions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanna. Uh, I'm looking at getting a van that I'm gonna convert, so I can try and do all my uh, traveling in a, something nicer than a rented car so <laughs> and uh i'm like notorious for owning terrible vehicles so mm -hmm. um yeah like the things i'm looking at it's way nicer than anything i've ever owned so <laughs> nice yeah um but that's totally off topic that's totally <laughs> <laughs> not coffee um so you did you where'd you grow up then I grew up in Minnesota, a town called Plymouth. It's about 15 minutes west of Minneapolis. Okay, so yeah. where, your, where your family lives now is kind of yeah. just where you grew up. Yeah, they, they moved from my childhood home, but moved like five minutes away from there. So I was still in the same area. Okay, all right. Yeah, and, and that's, that's something that's like, it wasn't, the decision to start Folly here wasn't purely because I'm from Minnesota. I was looking at different markets within the Midwest and going, okay, what I, what I was looking for was a market with uh, a love of locally produced goods. Craft beer was kind of my big indicator for everything, just because I knew a lot about it. And so I was looking specifically for a place where like craft beer was really popular because I think it's a very similar type of person that enjoys really good craft beer that will also be inclined to like high-end coffee. It's, yeah. not direct, it's not a direct link, but it's pretty dang close. And so I was looking for places where things like local food, craft beer, local distilleries were really popular that were underserved in specialty coffee. And so when you look at your major Midwest markets, mainly being like uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, Chicago, and then to a certain extent, uh, Wisconsin with like Madison or Milwaukee and looking at these 
areas and saying who has these scenes that are vibrant but is underserved in coffee. And Minneapolis, I think, still to a certain extent is one of those markets that there is an absolutely huge love of uh, local restaurants, of craft breweries, of local distilleries. And there are people doing some awesome coffee here, but I still think it's super underrepresented. And that's even since I've moved back three years ago now, I've already started to see it start to emerge even more since I've been here, uh, which I see as a positive sign that if there's more people doing it, that means the interest is going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like a push pull relationship that part of it is consumers are demanding it. So more people are opening, but also when more people open, it raises awareness of the whole thing. And so some people go, Oh, isn't that increased competition? Aren't you worried? I don't think our biggest competitor are specialty roasters against each other. I think Mm -hmm. it's the people who have never had coffee like that or are even thinking about it. There's enough room for everybody to have a great business. If we can get people that have never tried a cup that have never gone away from their local Starbucks to switch over and try something new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that makes me think of, uh, this idea that they had with like food trucks it's like a proven process that uh, like one food truck by itself will do okay. But if there's like three other food trucks around it, they all do way better. Yeah. I read this interesting study about uh, vending machines because I always found it peculiar because you would think that if Coke and Pepsi, they're so big that they could go somewhere and say, I'll put a vending machine here. If you make it exclusive, a Coke vending machine area. But you still see Coke and Pepsi vending machines next to each other all the time. And I go, that's really weird. You would think they would sign exclusive contracts to figure out that they have done studies where they realize that if there is a Coke, they did a study where it was a Coke machine alone and a Pepsi machine alone. And they wrote down the sales. And then they did the same place with both of them. And they found both machines sold more when both were together. And the hypothesis behind that is the fact that people are more likely to choose something if there's a choice of like, am I getting this or that versus am I getting it at all? So when you pass one, one vending machine, you're going, should I get this Pepsi? Should I get this Coke? Ah, no, I'm good. I don't need it. Whereas if you're looking at it, go, Oh, should I get Coke or Pepsi? You're more likely to get one or the other. And Mm. that, that was really interesting as a way to look at competition in a market. Yeah. I'd rather have someone going, which high-end specialty coffee should I get versus should I get a good coffee or should I stick to my regular thing? And so that's kind of the way I view competition that obviously there is saturation in a market that can only hold so many, but I don't even think we're remotely close to looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I love that idea because, uh, yeah, like I want all coffee shops to do well, you know, and it's just like, I want that to happen. And it's curious, it is interesting to have that conversation change in someone's mind that way. It's like when, when you work in a shop, when I was like a barista, uh, it was like the old idea. I don't even know. It's like something we all do at coffee shops where it's like, you, you don't put like one cookie out, you put many cookies out. You know, because it needs yeah. to be a mountain of cookies and it needs huh? people to be like, ah, yeah, I need, I need that. And then I, here's I the, don't want to take the, the last one. And here's the flip side of it. If you want to talk about impulse decision. So if you're talking about someone that is making a decision on the spot. So if they're in the shop, there's also, you don't want too many options. So you would think if I placed yes. out 30 yes. cookies for if I placed out 30 cookies, they'll for sure buy one because there will be a cookie here for them. Yeah, And I, I think some roasters run into this problem is you go to their website and they, you can choose from 80 different origins. They've got 20, 25 coffees you can choose from at any time. And I understand the thought process where it's like, we're going to have a coffee someone is interested in. Yeah, But it's just like I said, walking into that first shop, if I don't know exactly what I'm looking at, it gets really overwhelming. Uh, the study they did with this one that I read about was they did a sampling in a grocery store of jams. And so they had one stand where it was only three options and they had one where it was 21 options and they found they sold a multitude more of the three option one, because it's 
the opportunity cost of what you're giving up is less. And so it's like this fine balance of like, you want the competition, but if there's too many options, it can get overwhelming too. And so it, it, it coffee is an especially, I'm getting a bit off track here, but coffee is an especially difficult category to shine through because yeah. everybody from Folgers all the way to the best high-end coffee roasters are saying the same thing. Yeah. We source our beans from the finest farmers that we know personally. And it's like, yes, these things are important, but yeah. it, that doesn't determine that your coffee is good or not. You can source coffee directly from someone that are not being paid fairly and whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you give someone enough choices that they're going to find what they like, but a few enough choices that they're going to get something they're satisfied with too. So we just have four coffees at any time yeah. of the year. We have four and they have four different flavor profiles. And that's how we pick our coffees is we rotate the single origin through these four flavor profiles. And I, I, I think that that has been a part of our initial success is if I tell you this is a fruit forward and sweet coffee, you get it. And then mm -hmm. if you want to know exactly what the bean is, we have that information for you. Uh, mm -hmm. so that you could totally nerd out, but I totally went down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. Of like, Mark, no, no, but it's, no. yeah, I, I like what you're never saying. ending. I like what you're saying is, uh, like in my, my, my time doing marketing, I've always used the example of like in and out burger for people where they're like trying to like, they'll come to me and maybe they want my help or thoughts on like a website design or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. And they're giving me like everything. They're like, we yeah. gotta have this, and we gotta have this, and and then I go. The reason In and Out is so successful is because there's like three choices on the menu, but they do and those three things so, so well. well. It's perfect, right? So it's the perfect example. And so I tell that to a lot of people, and also as someone who's been to hundreds of coffee shops across the country, when I walk into a shop and I see that they're doing literally everything and they have a sign that's like, we just added sandwiches. I go, oh, they're going out of business. Yeah. Like, this is them being like, we've tried everything and now we're yeah. becoming a sandwich shop. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, there's this really great book called good to great. And it's all about businesses that they make a definition of what good, what a good be business mean and uh, what a good business means. And then a definition for great. And then they track companies that went from good to great. And what mm. they found of all these companies that make that jump is they call it the hedgehog concept where it's like, what's the one thing that you do better than anyone else. And mm. it's, it's, it's not, it's like, it's complicated to find out what you do best as a business, uh, but they used Walgreens as an example that this is a business that went from good to great. And their hedgehog concept is we are the most convenient pharmacy. So they will literally shut down a, profit, a profitable store and move it three blocks. If that location, it's a million dollar build out. If that location three blocks away is slightly more convenient to get in and out of than this one. And so the hedgehog concept is, something that if you're a business, you need to find what's the one thing you do better than anyone else. And the more you do, the more you distract from that thing. Mm. And so I, I'm still struggling on this with Folly. Like, what is it that Folly does better than any other just coffee roaster in the country? I think part of it for us is we are the best at introducing people to specialty coffee. And so I don't know if that I can say that definitively that this is the thing we do best, but keeping that in mind helps guide us how we communicate what we're doing at, in all of our decisions. And so if we start adding sandwiches and open a cafe and Hey, we've got this over here and now we're doing, now we're doing mugs and shirts and pants and Hey, now we're, uh, it's, it gets harder and harder to yeah. be, be great at one thing and you would think that having more and more offerings would be better but like, like we just talked about it ultimately will dilute your business yeah yeah and it can be very off-putting when you're like uh because that's like the other thing that uh like i like about you guys where it's like fun and it's interesting and nothing about it is like very like hey will you please buy my coffee like it's like it's not that. It's not like every day I wake up. I love the example of like, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, uh, what Target post today? 
exactly. you know and uh so it's like anytime you feel like that where you're just like because you go to target's instagram and it's just one big sales page because mm-hmm. they have the same marketing team that they did from magazines now just yep. doing instagram and you're like this is nothing social at all yeah and, just, and yeah to to that extent i heard I, I was reading something recently that i found very valuable about how like it was about copywriting yeah but it's really uh, applicable to social media that they said the biggest mistake they see is people want to and this is just human nature is humans want to tell you what they're doing look at what we're doing like look at us roast this coffee look at us but what does that do for the customer? Mm-hmm. And so, cool, it's a picture of the person roasting. Okay, Jeff's a top 15 coffee taster in the country. Okay, fine, what does that do for me? So instead of saying, Jeff is a top 15 coffee taster in the country, you say that, but then you say, he tastes every coffee that you would be buying. Yeah. So if you're buying a coffee from us, that means you have a coffee that has been certified as ready to go out the door by a top rated coffee taster in the country. And that changed how I thought about it because as a customer, you are going, well, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. And so when you're communicating, you always want to have that in mind. It's like, what's in it for them. And so I always try to do sales or promotions that are add added value for the customer versus just like, Hey, save some money. I don't like sales where it's like, Hey, you save a dollar. I like sales where it's like, Hey, like this one we're running now, Hey, you get this coffee and this four pack of instant coffee that's what the customer gets versus just yeah. like, oh, I, oh, I saved the buck. Yeah. So if I go on your website right now and I ordered a coffee, I get four instant coffees? A four pack. So the four, four pack, it, yeah. So four single servings of it. And Hopefully then it, that was clear, but. <laughs> okay. So single servings. So it's, it's literally the, the stuff that I put into water and I mix it. Yeah, and it's it sucks because the instant coffee is really really good. And when we got it, I was super stoked on it. But between the delayed launch, the change of the climate, uh, in, in sense of just the way business is done anymore. Yeah, and just my own personal philosophy in business has changed since we got it. Was that like, so when we updated our website, we used to have merch. We used to have shirts hats mugs everything our new website we launched coffee only and we're going to add a mug and then that's all we're gonna have you know holidays will be different but instant coffee started to be this thing that yes it tastes really good yes it's cool but it takes away from what we're doing that if someone's first purchase from folly was the instant coffee alone and they're like i love this instant coffee folly to them is that instant coffee company but that's but that's not what we are we're we're a high-end coffee yeah that's such a sidetrack yeah and it's you could argue well you know that still they're a fan of your great coffee no they're a fan of our great instant coffee which then leads back to the company that's producing the instant coffee and i it's eventually i was just like you know what let's just let's (laughs) admit Let's cut our losses, like whatever. Let's give the stuff away. It's, it's delicious. I didn't want to just trash it. I didn't want to just whatever. Yeah. Uh, blow, blow it out at a reduced price because you still have the same issue there. Someone's buying it because it's a reduced price. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, this is something that is cool. But how do we still drive our core mission of being a great coffee roaster while also giving the stuff away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... You're like pumping out TikToks like crazy. As of late, it's been a little slower. Um, (laughs) I think the reason I pump them out a lot is because I use it primarily as a video editing tool. Uh, Yeah. I I like the ability to put, to add audio, the ability to sync audio. It's got a lot of awesome features for cutting up precisely. Whereas like, if I wanted to do that for any other video, I have to do it on my desktop, which unless I'm setting aside time to do that and whatever, I have to upload it from my phone onto the computer and then edit it and then reload it back up on versus being able to edit it right in the app and be able to put it out quickly. Yeah. Uh, I, and then I'll just post them on TikTok too. And so it's ironic. And I know we were talking a little bit about before is that videos that tend to do really well on TikTok aren't great for a lot of other platforms and so yeah 
like this, the commercial that the commercial I quote unquote that I just did for the instant coffee giveaway. That yeah. one was great for Instagram. And so when I was making it on TikTok, knowing that it's not going to do well on there because it's, you know, 30 to 40 seconds long. It's basically just an ad, but, uh, <laughs> but the ability to do the green screen on TikTok. So I was able to find a generic video of an inflatable wacky, wacky inflatable arm man, uh, have that green screen behind me using TikTok and then sync it up with the Indiana Jones theme song. I don't remember how I decided on that, but <laughs> the ability to do that all. And I made that in, I don't know, 10 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but TikTok itself is an interesting platform and anyone who knows me probably knows that I'm a huge advocate that like five years from now, I think this is going to be what everybody's on as a lifestyle app and it's going to continue to change. Yeah. 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 It, I, I'm with you, man. I think TikTok is the feature right now. Uh, I'm, I'm heavily into it. I'm trying to get better at it. I look to people like you and see like what you're doing and I'm like, okay, I need to like, elevate my game on tiktok you know yeah and it's 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 funny because the videos uh aren't great for algorithm are the ones that people enjoy sometimes and yeah so there's sometimes i create a video where i'm like okay i want this to be eight to 15 seconds i want uh it's got to have a very specific person it's aiming for you know whether yeah. it's education or this uh but then the other videos are the ones that when I post them on Instagram, people like, like this one is probably gotten the most traction on recently on Instagram where people are messaging and just being like, what the hell are you doing over there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I mean, that's how comedy works too. You know, like when yeah. I write jokes for comedy, it's like, there's jokes that make it into my hour that are like more of like people that are like comedians enjoy. And they're like, yeah. I like the way you do that joke. And the audience is like, it's very okay. It's very, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not their favorite joke, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I will have people reaching out being like, your strategy is all wrong, man. You're not, you're not doing it this way. You're not doing it that way. And it's, that's great. Okay, but, uh, but I'm like, but you're reaching out to me about it, which tells me that you saw it and it evoked enough emotion in you, in this case, clearly negative, that you reached out about it. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to keep doing them. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, yeah, that's when you know you're doing it the right way is when people are like, I don't know, man. And you're like, all right, great. I, I, yeah. I've separated myself out enough. Well, you're right. I don't yeah. have latte art on every picture. Yeah, right? or, or like, um, you know, don't use the same video for multiple platforms. You have to make new content for everything. I go, that is true if I had a media team. But <laughs> like... We're, we're two people in the business technically it's like I, i'm gonna use the same video even if it's not perfect for this or perfect for that it's better to have more content out there versus yeah. taking a month to have the perfect video and then release it and then it's like yeah okay well i'll be honest with you though man like when it's good content i don't mind seeing it twice you know what i mean like i was yeah. on tiktok Saw it, loved it. I was on Instagram. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this again. Well, like, if you're on multiple, <laughs> yeah, if you're on multiple platforms, it's the whole. I forget. It's like you have to be. You have to see something seven times. You know, there's the old. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do they run ads over and over and over? There's like the point of saturation where seven times is what it takes for somebody to really sink in. Uh, you go well. Multiple platforms are more likely to engage it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, it's like all we're really trying to do is like drive people to buy it. Uh, and then when they buy it, the idea is that you taste it and you go, oh, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, because that's the, that's the end thing here is you can have great marketing and great packaging and awesome branding and be a really fun follow. But if what you're doing as a business is not effective, then it's just, it's not going to work because nobody's going to continue to buy it. They're like, eh, this coffee isn't that good, but the videos are funny. So I'm gonna keep buying it. Uh, the, the biggest thing I usually get from people, especially when I know them a little bit, is when they taste the coffee or they get the beans, they go like, oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> and I would just go, what do you mean actually? Like, what do you mean? This is all I've been saying. <laughs> um, and well, also, and then you, you, we talked about it briefly, but uh, you also have a podcast. Yeah. And so you're also, not only are you making all this, you're, 
generating tons of content, which is very motivating for people like me, where I'm like, I got to keep up with Rob. <laughs> but uh, also, you're podcasting, and now I'm like, great, I got to make sure my podcast keeps going, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, po- the podcast was something that uh, I started in many ways in a, with a selfish motivation of just, I enjoy it. Uh, I really enjoy talking to people about what they love. Yeah. And it's like this. So the episode I'm releasing tomorrow is with this band that I ha- I'm absolutely enamored with called Cook Thugless. They kept popping up on my Spotify Discover and like three or four weeks in a row, I not knowing it was them was like, oh, this song rips. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden I was like, man, this is really good. I used one of their songs on TikTok because it was called Sweet Coffee. And then I posted on Instagram and tagged them. Then they regrammed it. And I was like, what? And then I messaged them. It was like, hey, this is weird, but do you want to be on my podcast? And they were like, hell yeah. And so I just had a podcast episode with this band that, could you imagine reaching out to someone and being like, hey, can I talk to you for an hour? Like, who are you? Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, But it's also really, really cool to see uh, people reaching out directly and saying, hey, the things you're posting are, are helping. Because uh, we do a lot of small business, a lot of digital marketing, a lot of uh, stories behind Folly of the successes we've had and the mistakes I've made that people are reaching out, uh, especially within coffee and being like, hey, I've listened to these and used what you're saying. Uh, like Jack's Coffee, shout out Jack's Coffee, uh, sent me a bag of coffee this week with a thank you note that I was like, hey, these episodes about X, Y, and Z were cool. really helpful in building out the roaster. And I was like, oh, damn, like, even if it's a super small follower, uh, base if it's helping people then it's like worth it for me and it's the whole um adage of teaching is the best way to learn and you're like even if i'm not teaching someone directly if i record an episode about something it it forces me to think more analytically about what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Um, and then it also kind of helps me refocus on the things that we do to talk about and so it's fun and uh yeah we're going going harder in the paint on it. We got the whole studio we're setting up. So it's not all out of my, you know, den next to my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's gonna only continue to increase, I think, because of the traction we're getting. That's great, man. Yeah. I mean, like, like, I, I have my studio. And, um, but I started with like, literally a USB mic for, for like a $10 USB mic someone gave me. And then I was just interviewing my friends. And then over the years, it's like grown into like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like the podcast guy, you know, and, but yeah, man, that's, that's, I'm so happy that you, you're kind of like growing it out and you're continuing with it because I, I think it is, I think it's great. I think it's, I love your podcast. And the, the thing I, I, that I have to wrap my head around is I think people, when they're looking at whether, especially like marketing, they try to compare apples to oranges in terms of viewership or listenership or views or likes. Yeah. But if someone on, so like TikTok's a great example, you know, we get 200,000 views on a video. It's not nearly as impactful as 200,000 views on a YouTube channel. Cause they're going to be watching a longer form video and they searched it out or found it in a specific way versus being fed an algorithm. But the podcasting I think is the extreme example that of that, like a hundred listens on an app episode is so so much more exponentially more valuable than a hundred views on an Instagram video yeah because that means someone is following you they're listening to a full episode they're engaging directly they're taking time out of their day to listen to it and so I think a lot of people are like well I don't want to do it because you know I don't have a thousand I don't have a 10,000 followers or whatever mm-hmm. on, Insta- on Instagram but I go I think a hundred people listening to your podcast I will argue is far more valuable than 10,000 people following you on Instagram. Yeah. When you think about the amount of thought that's being placed to listening versus a quick like of a picture that they probably won't see because they're probably following a thousand other people too. Yeah. Uh, And that's where I kind of wrapped my head around it and was like, okay, well, if I enjoy it and it's, it's helping people, which is really cool. uh, That's like, it's worth the time, I think. That's great, man. That's great. And then um, are you like, where do you focus on? Is it iTunes, Spotify or Spotify? I think uh, is the most uh, user friendly. Uh, Just my own experience of listening to podcasts. I 
found myself using Spotify more and more. Uh, I use it more for my own music too. And so now that I'm reading that they're leaning into podcasting harder, uh, I think it's only going to continue to increase on there. Uh, and then just even the, the creator side. So we were on Podbean, wasn't totally pumped on all the features. I switched to Anchor. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> like there was a full day where I thought I lost every episode I ever made. Oh, God. Uh, I, I had it backed up, but it would have required uploading, you know, 35, ep- whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, you reach out to iTunes, you just don't hear back. I heard back eventually and it was kind of like, eh, it should happen. And Spotify was like same day, super reactive, like here's resources. And so I think just over time, just because of how uh, re- responsive they are to creators too. And obviously like the Joe Rogan deal, I think that alone yeah. is going to propel them as a more serious platform when that goes through. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to see the changes that happen because you know, Joe Rogan does video. So it's like, yeah. how, how are they going to add video? And That'll then, be interesting. You know, and then I know that that Anchor has, is like introducing video. So, oh, you know. Yeah, I did see that. So are they just going to be using the Anchor video? You know, like, yeah. what what is this angle that they're going to yeah. be going with this? And yeah, that's like a huge deal. And, and then also, I'm just curious, like I've, I've talked about it on this podcast before, but like, like uh they were they were music and now podcasting is kind of like uh in comparative it's like an afterthought in a way with some of the the ways that they've moved over like um like with music you get like instant analytics like if someone buys or listens to your song you instantly get that on your analytics Mm -hmm. for podcasting we get one update a day and I'm unsure if they, sometimes I feel like they just fell asleep on the keyboard and my numbers are all <laughs> over the place. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I'm curious of like, uh, I say all that knowing that like they're, they're trying and that's like yeah. the important part to me where it's like, well, I know that yeah. they're going to grow and I know that and, they're going to go in the right direction. And I think that the financials for a streaming service, because you read all these articles about the different streaming services that they're getting these billions and billions of streams and they're getting these multi-billion dollar valuations, but they're not profitable. Uh, And so when you look at music, well, okay, how do I make money as Spotify streaming music versus podcasting? It's very clear. You, You sell advertising on the podcast. You can't really do that for music outside of the memberships and so you got your ten dollar membership but now people can have your premium membership and also sell ads on top of that for the podcasting so i think because there's probably more of a financial incentive for streaming services with podcasting that there's a whole new stream of revenue with advertisers that's not really an option for the standard music service i think you'll start to see people shift that way and I know you've talked about, and I've heard you talk about it on your podcast is it's going to end up being more like TV where you have like stations, like Spotify will be a station. We're already, they're the only ones that will have Joe Rogan. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll probably start to split up in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels that way. And uh, I think you're right. Like it's a more stable way of income instead of just like like i'm sure the memberships is like a great way for sure like having the subscriptions but like advertisement wise it's like i'm sure it's hard like even i was looking at advertising on spotify and i think you have to spend like a minimum of like 250 or a thousand dollars a month and like you don't have a choice in anything else you know what yeah. I mean? Unlike Facebook ads where I can be like, I'm going to run this for a dollar. And they're like, we'll give you a couple hours. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. that's like. <laughs> Especially now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right now they're like, yeah, anything. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's extreme, extreme nudity in this. Yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll run. It'll run fine. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I got, I got to get rolling here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to wrap it I up. I can't man. believe it's already won already over here. Wow. Um, yeah, that went quick. Uh, yeah. To wrap it up then, uh, uh-huh. where can people find you online? Yeah. Uh, our website, follycoffee.com. Uh, we are actually relaunching it again uh, using your buddy Steve over at Marketing Beaver. Really excited about that one. 
uh, Instagram at Folly Coffee. It's F O L L Y. Uh, TikTok at Folly Coffee. Um, yeah, those are the major platforms that we go after. Uh, our email newsletter is what I'm really pushing because we only use it for things that I think are a really good deal versus like, I'm not going to send you uh, the message of everybody uh, of we stand with you during these times. Yeah. The the, the, and the COVID, the COVID uh, we're in this together and it's just a generic email. Don't worry. We don't use it for that. We just, You're like, thanks Chase Bank. Oh my God. Thank you, Chase Bank. I didn't know that you were also, wow. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Can I get <laughs> Can I get that thirty-five dollars back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, that overdraft fee. Uh, what? Um, no, but uh, yeah, the newsletter. It's the whole idea of I only am going to send it if there's something in it for you. Like I'm not yeah. going to send it unless there's the whatever. But yeah, those are the big ones. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate yeah, you. Me. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, I can't wait to see what TikToks you come out with next week. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little heavier with a few tips you gave me. We'll, uh, we got the we got the tasting room where we're doing a weekend tasting room, and I, I know we're gonna go heavy on promoting that. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, cool. yeah. But uh, I've been your host Zach Lyman, and this has been the Zach Lyman podcast and outro music.